We'll pray, uh, get into our text, and then see what God's got for us. Father, we come now in Jesus' name, and we just say thank you. Thank you for our country. We're still, we can still freely worship you and read your word, love on you, make disciples, give our money to spread the gospel. We thank you for choice. Father, we, uh, we pray for our troops. We pray for those in headquarters. We pray for those who are in boot camp. And we pray for those overseas. We pray for the moms and dads and boys and girls who are missing them. We thank you for them. Please keep them safe. Give them wisdom. We pray for the healing of those who may have PTSD. We thank you for our troops. Keep them safe. Let them cry out to you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we lift up our chaplains. We're under threat and not allowed to share the love and truth and power of Jesus. Not allowed to pray in the name of Jesus. We pray you'd fight those battles. Fight them, Lord. There's no life in our country. There's no life in the dollar. It's only by you, Jesus, we have life. And those chaplains are sharing life to our precious troops, our men and women. Open our word. Open, I'm sorry, open your word that we may grow in grace and knowledge. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Uh, John chapter 8. And... Uh, I'm going to start from verse 21, and the main text is going to be 31 through 36. And then after uh, we 36, I'll take a seat. John 8, 21. I'll start. All right. John 8, 21. I'm pressing the timer button, but it's not working, so I guess I get to... I did. Okay. One time I was in the Philippines, I spoke like for two or three hours, and I wasn't aware of it. So, <laughs> they were patient. Maybe they all fell asleep in the heat. All right. G then verse John 8, 21. Then Jesus said to them again, I am a going away, and you will seek me, and will die in your sin. Where I go, you can't come. And the Jews said... Will he kill himself because he says, where I go, he can't come? He said to them, you are from beneath, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. Then he said to them, who are you? Jesus said, just what I've been saying to you from the beginning. I have many things to say to judge you concerning you. But he who sent me is true. And I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. But he did not understand that he spoke to them of the Father. Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am. And that I do, not, I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me. I speak these things. And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, 
for I always do those things that please him. As he spoke these words, many believed in him. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And when you shall know the truth, the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you'll be made free? Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. All right, let me have a seat, or you can stand and look goofy. All right, Pastor Pat asked me to share a, a while back for the second Sunday, and I will say uh, next week, um, Nate Holdridge, you don't want to miss Nate Holdridge. I'm not sorry, Nate Holdridge, Bill Holdridge, his father, uh, who's founded Calvary Chapel uh, Monterey, awesome man of God, awesome man of the word, and he can just stand up there, and the grace will just come from him. He has that smile, and, and grace just flows from him. One of the early, early pioneers of Calvary Chapel in the 70s, and all that, and uh, awesome man of God, awesome man of the word. Don't want to miss Bill Holdridge. Pat said, hey, can you teach for me? And I said, sure. And then you think about, okay, what shall I teach, you know, um, and then when I was in the school of ministry down south with Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa, they had a school of ministry, and uh, I will say in the Southern California, in Southern Cali, and the Southern Kingdom has always been stronger than the Northern Kingdom, for all you biblical students. Uh, and w we went on a trip in the Philippines with Carl Westerlin and Pat's team went there, and, and Carl Westerlin taught, guest taught at a church and he taught, I think, on forgiveness from the Beatitudes. And it just struck to me, hey, if you're ever going to guest teach, do a, a, a truth, a basic truth that you can always go back to. You can never go wrong with the basics. And he spoke on forgiveness. You know, that's one of the things you can never overdo. And then, so I thought about, you know, today. And then, you know, the proximity of July 5th next to July 4th, you know, Independence Day, freedom our independence, free from the British imperialism, free to do what we want to do and not what the British mandate is. And so that, that brought me to the text of John 8, a very common thing, free from sin. And so some, this is a, a basis for justification uh, of our salvation, free from the penalty of sin. And yet, especially in our day and age, we don't want to lose this freedom. We don't want to go back to the bondage of sin. Even though we, we are born again, and even though Jesus has paid the price for us on the cross, he paid the penalty of our sin, for the wages of sin is death, we don't want to go back to that taskmaster of sin. Satan does. And even though we will go to heaven, 
Satan's tempting us back to those things. Back to those things that brought us down from the love of God. It's interesting that when Jesus gave the parable of the soils in, in Matthew chapter 13, he said, and the sower cast the seed, and the seed fell on stony ground, and then the bird came and plucked it up, and we know that stony heart, and Satan just takes that seed right away, and it can't germinate. The egg and the sperm can't produce life, faith, and the word. And then the sower casts seed on the rocks. And then because of the, the little heart warmth of the rocks, it produces life. But because of tribulation and tough times and trials, it withers. Then it was the, the seed was sown amongst the thorns. And this is the tricky part. But the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches quenched development, quenched the growth. But the seed that went on, the good soil, the good soil produced, what, 30, 60, 100 fold. And so yet the second and yet the third soil, there was life, born again, definitely life. It was quenched by sin, quenched from cares of this world, the deceitfulness, deceitfulness of riches. It lost the potential of what it was designed for, what it could be. And more than ever, and especially in, in our time, now is not a time for our growth, our development, to be arrested, to be stunted. And what's it usually stunted? Sin. Sin. So, and, and as Jesus set us free initially he is the one who continues to keep us free and we get that we get spending time with jesus setting us free is in the text now in eight and in, in chapter eight jesus was coming from the mount of olives he was in jerusalem with a feast of tabernacles he's been speaking he's been teaching And he's been saying, hey, I'm going where you can't go. And he's been saying, hey, you're going to die in your sins. And then in 31, going now to 31, Jesus said to those Jews who had believed, so there's some Jews who had believed in his teaching, and there are some of those Pharisees who are questioning him. He said to those Jews who believed, 831, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. John gives us at least a three-pronged stool of discipleship. This is one of the first uh, verses of discipleship, being a disciple, being a follower of someone. The first one is right here, 831. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples in need. And for your Greek students, it's a third-class conditional sentence. It doesn't mean if you're disciples, you're automatically abiding. It's a condition. If you're a disciple... It's conditioned upon abiding in the word. So a first prong thing, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you're remaining in his word. You're studying his word. The second prong for discipleship Jesus tells us is in John 
13.35. If you love one another, if we're loving one another, then the world will know you are my disciple. So we're abiding in his word, and, the, and Jesus knows we're his disciple if we're abiding in his word. The, and then the horizontal plane, the world will know we are his disciple. How? Because you're loving one another. They don't care how much you know about the Bible. <laughs> they care how much you know love them. So the world knows. Jesus said the world will know if you have love for one another. And then Jesus said in John 15, 8, If you bear much fruit, you are my disciples indeed, and the Father is glorified. So a third prong to our discipleship in our development is bearing much fruit, spiritual fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. So those a three-pronged stool. If one of those is missing, you wobbly, you look funny, you fall on the ground like my water did funny. So the three-pronged, abiding in the word, Jesus knows we're his disciple. Loving one another, the world knows we're his disciple. And if we're bearing fruit, currently bearing fruit, much fruit, not little fruit, much fruit, the Father's glorified. And remember, whenever Jesus did a miracle, he said, that's right, you can get my t-shirts. I got my CDs and my MP3s over there. You can check out my website. No, he said, uh, he can wear my wristbands. WWMD, what would I do? You know? It was always the Father was glorified. Read Matthew, read all those miracles. And they glorified the Father. They glorified the Father. Three Prong disciples. So Jesus is talking to those who believed in him, and he's talking to us. And he said, hey man, if you abide in my word, abide, and we've heard that word, it means dwell, remain, and I was thinking about it, and, and sometimes the words can become cliche. We say it a lot. And I was thinking about the word marinade. If you marinate in my word, now, I got some of your attention right now because some of you just love food, you know. And if you ever teach, there's some things you can always do. You can talk about food. You can talk about love or once I was with my wife and oh, love story, you know. Or, 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 or a bad tasteless joke or a bad joke. You always gets people's attention. And so uh, I asked my wife. She made for, you know, 4th of July. She made a good little uh, Mexican fajita stir fry. And I, hey, can you give me the recipe just so I can get their attention? Because I've already lost them. So, right here. So, she made a marinade of one clove garlic minced, half a teaspoon chili powder, half a teaspoon red pepper crushed, two tablespoons vegetable oil, two tablespoons lemon juice, and a half a pound of beef or skin chicken sliced into strips. Combine above, marinate meat two hours. And so, in, and in the refrigerator, there's these Ziploc bags, and you see this meat being swimming around and all the juices of all the luscious garlic and all this stuff. And, it was marinating in the meat, and you marinate the meat to give it extra flavor, special flavor, because the meat of itself has its own flavor, but you want to have, you're designing the meat to where it wants to go, right? And it has an extra taste. And here, it's 
good to marinate in the word. We, have, we know our flavor. We know who we are. Ask your wife. <laughs> Ask your mom and dad. But then you want that flavor to come in you and swim in you and always abound in you and just be in it. Uh, occasionally, when I'm on my own, which is often, because um, my wife lets me in the house once in a while, uh, you know, I find myself dwelling on past arguments. I'll find myself dwelling things I shouldn't be dwelling or whatever the world's telling me to think on, right? And, and have you ever done this where you've had a conversation and it didn't quite go well or it didn't go the way you wanted to? And then you're thinking about it, you're thinking about it, and I, I often go like, I'm mouthing the conversation to myself. And then finally, after the third time, I'll, aha, I know what I'm going to say. I got the, I gotcha, the clincher, you know, the I won argument, and I'll, you know, and then my wife says, who are you talking to? <laughs> my father he didn't know this, but oftentimes, if he was so mad, you know when my father was mad as he did this. Son! And he'd, he'd like snort up, and then his tongue would backwards. And it was the ugliest thing. And he'd never tell that to your father because he has power, beyond powers, to destroy you just with his words. And, and then, well, Dad, do you know you do that? He's like, what? You do this. I do? Yeah, it's ugly. You know, you know, it's just awful. And then I find myself just... <laughs> got you! Uh, yeah, thank me for... Who are you talking to? Oh, sorry. So, I talk to myself and I'm verbalizing it. I'm ruminating on myself. And that's not helping. But, so, I like to do, to combat that, you, you don't do that. You don't think about past conversations. You're all... Uh, I combat that sometimes as just going through memory verses. Just, just the verses I know to, to flavor my mind again with the word. Just even, the, you know, with the children's ministry, just go back to the word, go back to the word. You know, just Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Surely I tell you, you must be born again. Yes, yes. And every time I'm like, yes, I must be born again. Yes, that's true, that's true. You know, and then even just Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, so whatever trial I'm in, okay, God's in charge. He, he started everything. He knew this was going to happen. He's still in charge. Oh, okay, he's still in charge. It helps me. Okay, it helps me. I'm flavoring my mind with the word, flavoring my mind. Now, what do you flavor your mind with? What are we flavoring our mind constantly with? And if it's not in the Word, I find myself quick to go on the Internet. And I, I quickly marinate my mind with all my favorite political websites. I love political talk, political talk radio. I love it. I can't get enough. But I'm flavoring in my mind. And as I'm flavoring my mind, this is how I'm thinking, and this is how I'm telling my mind where to go. And that's good with that, of course, with studying, but there's no spiritual life in it. There's no spiritual life in Rush Limbaugh. There's no spiritual life in Hannity. There's no spiritual life in Glenn Beck. There's no spiritual life in Bill O'Reilly, which he has a wonderful way of allowing people to share the conversation. He asks you a question, 
and then immediately he interrupts. Great, great marriage advice right there. So there is no spiritual life in Fox News. And so I, I share that with myself because I'm quick to go to my favorite websites, Drudge Report, Real Clear Politics. And we learn to study and all this stuff, but I, I find myself in it a lot, and I'm flavoring my mind, but there's no spiritual life. Jesus didn't say, you'll buy my word if you watch Fox News. You are my disciples indeed. Do you, like me often then with that, are you flavoring your mind with Facebook? I tell myself only two minutes on Facebook. Only two minutes. 25 minutes later, scroll down, scroll down, scroll. Hey, someone commented about me. Scroll down, scroll down, scroll down. Yeah, they talk about their kids way too much. Scroll down, scroll down, scroll down, scroll down. Hey, more pictures of the kids. Scroll down, scroll down. 25 minutes later. Now, I don't know about you. I'm flavoring my mind. And then I wonder, why am I grumpy? Why is there no life? Well, how, much, how long have I been praying, honestly? How long have I been in my devotion time? And so I'm flavoring my mind with Facebook. Star Wars is coming out. The second coming of Star Wars. People are getting weird about Star Wars. Our, our world is going to hell. and Hey, Star Wars is coming out. 136 days till Star Wars. And then what? Then we wait for Rogue One, which is coming out in 2016. And then what? Well, we're hoping for another separate independent with Boba Fett. And then what? Star Wars 8. Flavoring our mind in the word. Now, those are good things in themselves, but they, I know for me, they capture my mind. They flavor my mind, and there's no life in it. You are my disciples indeed. And then Jesus says in verse 32, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, this is where I was studying the text, and this is why it's so important to be in the Word and study the Word. And this is the jewel of studying the Bible. And if you can't study the Greek and the Hebrew, and there's nothing spiritual knowing Greek. There's nothing super spiritual about knowing Hebrew. It just forces you to slow down. And look at the word. Like the word, you know, the word logos in the beginning was the word logos. Okay, logos. This forces you to slow down. And as you slow down, you're marinating in it. Because sometimes we are so quick to read through verses and verses and verses. And all of a sudden, you just stop on a word. And you're slowing it down in the word. You know, Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the seat of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he marinates day and night. And you're slowing down in the word. And, and I came up with this term called meditative glories, where you're just studying the word, and all of a sudden, you, you're in the zone, like you're Peyton Manning, throwing those missiles when he's not throwing interceptions and all this stuff. And when he's in the zone, bullseye, bullseye, bullseye. He can just like do like this, you know, bullseye, bullseye. He's on his game. And when you're studying those, you know what I'm talking about. The word opens up and you're just in this 
sphere of the spirit because you're slowing down and the Lord is pouring himself into you and of truth and of reality. And there's one time he reminded me of the time when I was studying Colossians chapter one where it says he has delivered us out of the kingdom of darkness into the son of his love. I think it's 113 Colossians one. And when I was studying that, it was in Marietta in, uh, in this upstairs little bedroom. And in that verse, in, in the original Greek, it talks about putting us right smack in the middle of the crosshairs of love. And not only in the crosshairs of love, you're in the love of, of the Father and the Son. And there is such an intense love between the Father and the Son from the very beginning when Jesus said, you and I were one. But there's just this intense realm as he's looking at him and you're looking at they're looking at each other but there's a sphere of love no matter what and he has transplanted us transported us right in the middle of that crosshairs of love you're getting of love holy love filling love and he's put us right in there and you are in the center of his attention and when i read that and then i had this image this i don't know vision or not but and then god said this is my love for you he then, I saw this image of like he rips his fingers into his chest, into the flesh, and pries open the rib cage of his, of his torso. And then he's like, this is my love for you. He digs in, and then you see the pulsating heart for me. His heart was beating for me. Beating for me. And I'm in that sense of love. This is who I am for you. And so as we study, you have those fears and he has that revelation. You have those special revelations. And then this word, you shall know. So as we're studying the word, he's giving you this experience. He's giving you this knowledge. You shall experience this truth. This truth will set you free. It says in John 1, for the law came through Moses. Grace and truth comes through Jesus. So with the knowledge of Jesus, as you're studying the Bible, as you're studying God's love, with that is his grace to do the Christian life, to actually love God back, to love your neighbor, to do what God calls you to do. And it comes just spending time with him, abiding in his word. He infills you with his life. And you're experiencing it. The word is the word know, gnosko. There's a couple words for know. There's oida, to know intuitively. And then sometimes it's just to experience. You have to experience to know this knowledge. You have to experience it. And when my wife first gave birth, it was in uh, Riverside with Isaac. And my wife is a very quiet woman and she she's not expressive woman she said don't say senora don't say that word she's not a senora <laughs> she's a very quiet woman and, and and she internalizes things and she fights dirty if we ever fight she fights dirty because all be in the it hasn't been a while but if i say something in the flesh like blah, 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 she fights so dirty she just walks away no, 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 come back, 
come on. Now, you used to get in the flesh, and I, have to, I already have to apologize, I know that, but now you have to apologize. You can't just not have nothing to apologize. That's not fair. She'll just be mature and walk away. And so, and, and it's, it's not fair. And, uh, and, and so, and she internalizes it. Even in the first time she was, she was, I, she was being born with Isaac, and I can just see her, she's all, And me with my knowledge, I'm all, Han, you, you, go, you gotta push out. You've gotta yell. You gotta grunt like weightlifting when you best press, you know, your bench press. They tell you that, you know, and if you yell, you have more energy. You have all the minnow. You have more oomph to get that last rep in, you know? So that's why you can walk away with your, you know, your shirts. Yeah, that's right. You know, so, and you're like, you gotta yell. You gotta, come on, you gotta grunt. And she looked at me. And she had so many things to say with one look. Like, like, what are you talking about? Why are you still here? You have no idea what I'm going through. Just stop. If you could disappear, just, just all in one statement. It was a loaded statement. It was awesome. You know, I'm like, okay, okay. You know? <laughs> so then, for all you men who, who are going to get married or haven't had children yet, here's, here's how you, so after that I learned my lesson. I've gained experience. When your wife is giving birth, just get a cup of coffee and just say two things. You're doing great. You're beautiful. That's it. And sit back. Enjoy the ride. That's all you do. You're doing great. You're beautiful. That's it. So my wife has experience, and all your women say, you have no idea what it's like to give birth. You think you know, but you don't know, so don't even go there. Uh-huh. And although other women have this internal women connection all around, them, uh-huh, 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 from China to, you know, all around, uh-huh, all these women just look at each other, uh-huh, 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 I was like, shut up, uh-huh, uh-huh, stop, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. They know. They know. And here, Jesus is saying, you will know the truth. You'll know me. And as you know me, I will make you free. Now, this word free, this word making free, has two cents. It means coming away from domination. Coming away from domination. You're free from domination. And second, you are now free to choose to what you want to do. You're away from domination, and you are now free to what you choose to do. And I can't think you know, about an inmate. He's being paroled. He's away now from the oppression of the institution. When the officers say they have to do something, they have to do it. They have to stand up account. They can only eat certain foods. Every officer has all authority over an inmate reasonably. One of the rules in the Title 15 is they must obey all verbal commands. They have to. So, uh, but now when they are paroled, they are now free from that tyranny. They don't have to stand for count. They don't have to stay in their cell from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. And now they can go wherever they can want to go. Jesus died on the cross from the penalty of sin 
And now, as we're new creatures, we are now belong to him. He bought that price. He wanted to remove the dominion of sin. He knew, he saw the horrible domination, the horrible taskmaster of sin. Sin, and as we know, is a horrible taskmaster. When sin tells you to do something, you have to do it. I worked one of the worst jobs. And when you're your dad, you got to do what you got to do to bring in the money. I was a, uh, worked for this cleaning company, worked homes and apartments, and even the court case, uh, the court building in San Bernardino. And there's this uh, co-worker, but she is my supervisor. And oh man, this tiny little thing could say my name so wrong and I'd hate it every time. And then I had to do her beck and call. I'm like, Mikhail! And she'd say my name 46 different times a day, you know. And I know I have 46 vowels in my name. But um, uh, she says, Mikhail! And I'm like, oh. And I'd have to come and you do this, this, and this. I hated it. I hated it, you know. Uh, when sin calls, you got to do what it says to do. Anger is a horrible taskmaster. Horrible taskmaster. And when I'm not in the word, you know, I can just flare up with my kids. And, and it's over the hugest things. I mean, my children have so much tight, you know, uranium from Iran. They're about to blow up, Manteca. I'm like, what are you doing with, no, it's the smallest little thing. You said, what? What did you do? And then the Holy Spirit's all, okay, stop now. Stop now. Slow down. Stop now. I don't want to. I'm going for it. You know? And then, but then, even then, I can tell there's a battle inside me. Stop. You're hurting them. You're tearing them down. You're, you're saying things. You should, you're going way overboard. And there's that battle inside me. I want to stop, but I can't. Part of me likes tearing into them. My flesh enjoys tearing into them and proving them wrong and making them feel so horrible for what they did. Yet my, the, the, the spirit inside of me, the dad inside of me, it says, stop it, stop it. But because anger has control over me and I haven't been in the word and I haven't been giving life from Jesus, it's going for it. It's going for it. It is telling me to keep going and going and going. A few times, Cecily's had to say, Micaiah, stop. Stop. One time, I was in Soledad, and uh, one of our children had gotten into a fight with uh, the boys, and, and sadly, the fight escalated, and uh, 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 they was grabbing, and they are fighting for a stick, and the stick, they are fighting for it, but then inadvertently had knocked out the, uh, the neighbor's little boy's tooth out. <laughs> and so my son, you know, came to me and, and he shared to me what, and what? I shut the door, mount, pounced him to the couch. You did what? You did what? And I'm going for and going for it. Slow down, slow down, stop. 
pray, pray, stop, no. And then I'm going for it, and then going, and then goes the F word. You know, I'll be honest. <laughs> you know, and you know, and like, and then says, oh, Micaiah. Horrible taskmaster. Horrible taskmaster. Horrible, controls me. Pornography. Horrible taskmaster. Horrible taskmaster. And for the men, and I know, fortunately, thankfully, right now, I say now, because I've been under the slave of it, in the middle of the night, especially with the internet and all our devices, search me up. Search me up. It calls for you. It's like the tentacles from a bad Bugs Bunny cartoon calling for my mind. Come, search me. Search engine. Certain words. Certain words. Just that easy. A three-letter word in the search engine. That's all you got to do. So, as, you know, and then sometimes if it becomes strong, got to go to bed. It's not worth it. When it tells you to look, at work or on your device or at the red light, you, you listen. You, you struggle, you struggle, you struggle, you struggle. Sometimes you pray, and if you haven't been in the Word, you struggle, and then all of a sudden you're in it. Next thing you know, you're in it. Ten minutes, five minutes, 20 minutes, at work, at home, late at night, you're in it. You hate yourself for it. You're hating, but you're loving it, and you're hating it. And next thing you know, you're looking at things, whoa! You, it takes you to the next level, and, and sometimes they go way beyond them what even your sin wants to go. And now those images are burned in your head. Things, perversion, way beyond perversion. And then now, years later, you still have those haunts of those images. And then you hate yourself, and you look around looking stupid. You know better. You know better. But when it calls, that's why it's so important to be in the Word. Because sin is a horrible taskmaster. And for women, I, you know, a gossip. You know, men have their strengths and weaknesses, and women have their strengths and weaknesses too. You know, gossip. Now, sadly, women don't want to be virtuous. It's all about being sexy. Jane Fonda, still sexy, 77. When I was growing up, it was about being, you know, okay, we had their, they had their time, but now it's become an older woman, become a grandma. You know, maintain your weight. Now I've got grandmas. That's right, baby. Yeah, I made you look, and I'm 77, uh-huh. <laughs> Got it. And now the world is pushing women to go beyond that. Magic Mike, XXL. You can't say that at the pulpit. Yes, I can. <laughs> 50 shades of gray, 20 shades of gray, 400 shades of gray. And then you just hear movies. These movies are sold out by Women. Women. Horrible taskmaster. Drinking. More and more women are drinking all the time. Just becoming standard. Taskmaster. That's why Jesus wanted to set us free because there's no life in that. And as you've been set free, initially as you're born, we still stay free through Christ. And Jesus said, and you will know. You have to experience Jesus Christ to be set free. You have to be experienced to be born again. You have to be experienced physically. You have to have a physical experience, a, a connection with Jesus Christ to be born again. 
to get into the kingdom of God. And to remain free in Christ, you still have to experience Jesus Christ today to remain free from sin. Because sin is a horrible taskmaster. It controls you. We must still experience Jesus today. That light bulb right there. It doesn't matter how long it's been on. The moment it's unscrewed, there's no life, no light. The moment you pull any tree out from a redwood 100 years old to uh, 30 seconds, the moment it's pulled out, it's dying. The moment we stop breathing and just keep with that carbon dioxide, we're dying. The present situation determines our spiritual life, not our past. And Jesus said, and then they say, well, we're Abraham's descendants. We've never been bondage to anyone, which is true at that moment. You know, they, they were, well, kind of under the sovereignty of Rome, you know. Their whole past, though, Egypt, their 400 slaves, Egypt. You know, they were enslaved after the kingdoms of Israel and Judah were done. They, they were enslaved to Babylon and then to Persia and then to Greece and then to Rome. And then the whole, the time between the Old Testament and New Testament, the, uh, the Greeks and the Egyptians back and forth over the land of Israel. Their whole history, they're under bondage. And, and they're claiming, hey, we got from Abraham. You know, Father Abraham had many sons, which is us. And many sons had Father Abraham, which is us. I am one of them, and so am me. And so, hey, no, we, hey, we're, we're spiritual. We got, hey, we got Abraham. And so they were saying, our spiritual heritage makes me spiritual. Nope. Jesus says, nope, I make you free. And, and, and for us Christians who've been Christians for a while, our spiritual heritage and our spiritual history doesn't make us impervious to sin today. And we've got to be careful sometimes, well, I've been a Christian for 14 years. Well, that should make us more humble. You've been around the king for 14 years. And that does not give us spiritual life. There's a, there's a pride comes in so subtly at work. At work. We have a few phrases that we're at work. You know, I'm a corrections officer. Hey, yo, don't trip. Why are you tripping? Don't trip. Why are you tripping? Don't trip. I got this. I got this. Don't trip. What's up? You know, and I say, you know, and, and I, I've got my wife to say one of these phrases, too. And one of the phrases, if you work in prison, it is what it is. Why it's going on, I don't know, but it is what it is. Why you trip? It is what it is. And Cecily was saying one time, it is what it is. I'm like, that's right. That's right. Preach it, sister. It is what it is. Which is a it's an, it's an inane statement, but you just, it is what it is. I can't change things, it is. And another phrase, how much time you got? How much time you got in? It's all about seniority. How much time you got in? Yeah, you might, got, you might have like four times, you might have muscles on your eyelids, but uh, I've got 20 years in, okay? You know, how much time you got in? How much time you got? How much time you got? Even inmates will say that to you. How much time you got in? Trying to pull the power thing. Fish. <laughs> how much time you got in and sometimes and sometimes as Christians yeah okay hot shot I've been walking with the Lord for 35 years yeah you know and but that doesn't make us impervious there's no life in that there's no life I go to Calvary Chapel there's no life in what you connect to in itself the life it's always been what that light bulb's been. I've been in this light. No, the life is in Jesus Christ today. 
Our life is in Jesus Christ today. That's where the life comes from. There was an older couple when I was at Pomona Valley Life Center in Pomona. And there, I was this, if you think I'm, I'm high strung now, you should have saw me as a, as a you know, teenager. And, um, you know, gravity had no effect on me. And, um, <laughs> and there was this older couple, sweet older couple. Gosh. And they looked at me, and Pastor Powell was talking about the gifts of mercy with such love. I mean, there was just joy to see me. I, I don't have that much joy to see myself in the mirror. And they would smile, and this older couple, sweet older couple, and they just, they were so happy to see me. It was just the love of Jesus coming from their eyes towards me, because they, because other people saw me, like, oh, you know. Um, at, at one time, uh, we were rollerblading, I was a youth leader, we were rollerblading at two in the morning on the church premises, and my friend's rear end broke a side window, you know. And, uh, yeah, some people weren't happy to see me. Um, but they were happy to see me. They were abiding in Jesus. There's a, a, a pastor, a teacher at Calvary Chapel Bible College, and whole thing, he's still a singer at Calvary Chapel and uh, Bible Fellowship in Temecula, Tom Mouch. He, such love exudes from him to see everybody. He's just so happy to see you. He wants to love on you. And you can just tell. He doesn't hold all the years past over you. Like, you should, you should acknowledge how much Christian I am over you. He's happy to see you. He wants to love on you. And so, here are these Jews, and we've got to be careful, just our pride holding it over others. When in reality, we should be the most humble and gentle and kind and patient and stern. You know, I don't hold it over my kids. I've been your father. Well, I do when I have to, but I've been your father for 12 years. That's right. Acknowledge that right now. No, you, you love on your children because you love them. You just can't wait to be with them. Yeah, I've been your dad, and I get to be your dad, and, and I get to be with you. So pride will come in. There's no, pri there's no life in our spiritual history. We learn from it. We're thankful for it. But life, loving, is still constantly in Jesus Christ. Jesus said in verse 34, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And here it just doesn't mean like a one-time sin. It's uh, the one doing the sin. It's an active present participle. Haha, <laughs> I use the word participle. Um, it's the one who's actively engaged in that sin. And, you know, that sin is just telling them what to do. If you can't stop, once you're in a sin, you can't stop. It controls you. Turn on that switch, you will be at its beck and call. And here he's telling these Jews. It's just truth. This is a spiritual truth. You can't, straight up with Jesus, you can't debate Jesus. If you do debate Jesus, you're wrong. He's, if you're sinning, you're a slave to him. And Jesus wanted to set them free from them sin. They wanted a, a political Messiah so we can be big in charge. And Jesus says, no, there's a deeper issue. There's a spiritual issue. Their pride, and pride always blinds us to the sin in our life and our need for Jesus. A slave does not obey, abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. And a slave had no rights back then. Generally, a slave had no rights. 
property. And like, you know, you, if you have a plumber, he's welcome to come into your house to do the plumbing or an electrician or a landscaper. But as soon as they're done, they just can't, hey, yo, what's for dinner? <laughs> why, are you, why are you still here? I'm done with you. Move on. You don't abide in my house. My family, my friends abide in my house. Go away. Why, why are you still here? And so here he's saying the son stays with Jesus. And so here he's talking about being need to be born again because if, if you're not born again, you're not going to be with God forever. But if you are born again, you get to be in his house forever. You get to be with him now and forever. So a basic premise. And then 36, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. If we're abiding with Jesus, there's power over that sin. And over, and you've heard it, he's over the penalty of sin, we're not going to hell. Over the power, it doesn't control you. And then in heaven, he takes away the presence of sin. There's no sin in heaven. And one of the reasons why he wants to take us to him, there's no sin in heaven. And we're blowing it. You know, there's no alarm clocks in heaven. No spiders in heaven. I'm still debating Gary about cats in heaven. Um, there's no bosses in heaven. There's no mornings in heaven, right, Lynette? No mornings in heaven. Uh, and there's no sin in heaven. There's no sin. And there's no the effects of sin. You know, the first two chapters, there's no paradise. There's no sin in the effects of sin. And in heaven, there's the last two chapters of the Bible. There's no, there's no presence of sin or the consequences of sin. There's no sin in the consequences. You know, once I yell at my son, I, I, I don't want to know the thing he still knows I've said in the past. There are things in the past people have said to me, oh yeah, you said this, buddy, and I can't wait to see you five years from now. Now bring it in your face, you know? And there are no effects of sin in heaven. And the, it's, if we're a disciple, to stop that sin is to continue abiding in the word. And you could probably tell, if I've been blowing it, have I been in the Word and praying and fellowship with others? Usually it's no. Or what have I been flavoring my mind with? What have I been engaging my mind in my free time? You know? Daddy can come out of the bathroom with an iPad, you know? It's not, it's not Spurgeon generally. You know? So, if we want to stay free, we've got to stay connected to Jesus. Because he's a life source. He's the one who bought us. And then... That's one of the ways of being a disciple. Look, you know, look around. You're a disciple if you're in, in the Word. From if you're a, a one-year-old Christian, six-month-year-old Christian, to 50 years. If you call yourself a disciple, we're remaining. And then the third prong is that then if we're abiding in the Word, His life is now we get to, we're loving one another. Are we loving one another? And that's a disciple. A lot of people are in the Word, but are they loving? No, a disciple's loving. It should be outward growth continually. And then the third is that we're bearing much more and more fruit. It says grow in the grace of the knowledge. Even after 50 years, John, John the Apostle is still growing in the grace of Jesus. There's so much more fruit. You should be so, so beautiful in grace and so attractive to Christ. Because all this fruit's coming from you. Patience, kindness, and gentleness. It should just naturally be coming out if you're a disciple. And if, you know, 
Or are we wrinkled raisins in fruit? We've been abiding. Hey, check out my raisins. <laughs> you, know? you know, this these are realities. And then when we're experiencing these realities, we're enjoying Jesus. And, and the theme of John is that you may have life. These things are written that you may know that you have life. You have eternal life. And in Jesus in, in John 17, 3, which is a great verse to know, John 17, 3, these things are, no, um, eternal life is that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Being born again is being in fellowship with God, being away from sin, loving God and loving others, enjoying that life. There's no life in this world. There's no life in this world, utterly. And so we get to enjoy our God. We get to enjoy our Savior. Heaven is about enjoying God fully without any of these fixtures of sin. And so with this Independence Day, we, we remember those who died for us. And we remember, that, hey, we're, we don't, Britain doesn't tell us what to do. We're still free. We're still free to worship God as much as we want and make the best of our life. And today, we remember our independence from sin, from Jesus on the cross. And we remember that we are in bondage and that we still stay connected. That's why we have communion, to remember, remember. July, you know, communion is like our July 4th. We remember, we remember. Jesus said, just remember two things. Just remember the juice in the cup. That's it. That's how you remember me by. Don't remember me by my miracles. Remember me by, by the cross, payment for sin, and the resurrection, the power over sin. And then the ascension, you get to be with me. So we remember to him, and, and just, uh, just the reminder, the reminder to be abiding in his word. There's no life in ourselves. There's no life in Carrie Chapel Manteca. No life in Pastor Pat. No life in yourself. No life in your money. No life in your looks. No life in your accomplishments spiritual life still is sourced in jesus christ today like that light in that tree still sourced daniel at the end he saw two kingdoms come to an end he saw his beloved kingdom of judah come to an end at the beginning of his life and at the end of the life he saw the end of the babylonian kingdom our country is collapsing. Our president did not put the red, white, and blue lights on his house. He put red, white, blue, yellow, orange, green. Our country is collapsing. Yet even though our beloved country is collapsing, our citizenship is in heaven. And even though Judah collapsed, the kingdom of God collapsed, Daniel was strong in the word. He was strong in his God. He determined not to, pur he purposed himself not to defile he prayed three times a day. He was remaining in fellowship with his God. And he was used, even though his kingdom has collapsed and the Babylonian had collapsed at the end, he was still used mightily. And today, our, king, our kingdom, our America, is collapsing. And now is not the time to be looking back like Lot's wife. Our, we need to be in the word continuously. So we can still be used. We can still be used until the end. And so we can still bear fruit, 30, 60, 90. Lest we get, if we're not on the word, 
will be like that third soil, deceived from the cares of this world, deceived by riches. Timothy said in the end of Colossians, he mentioned some of the sermons, he says, and Demas, Demas and Luke salute you. And he wrote Colossians. At the end of 2 Timothy, his last book that Paul wrote, he said, Demas has forsaken me and has loved this present world. At the end of Paul's ministry, Demas was not abiding in the word, not abiding in Christ, trapped in the world. Let us not be like that today. We remember our freedom in Christ, and we stay free. We stay free in Christ, in the word. Let's pray. Lord, help us, Lord. We thank you. We don't want to lose this freedom in Christ. We don't want to be mastered by sin. It's, it hurts. The cross set us free, and you set us free. And I encourage, if someone is in those tough sins, find someone you trust and ask for prayer. Prayer. 